Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. I'm Brandon Hall, the Mid-Atlantic Scouting Director. He's Matt Payne, our North Carolina Scouting Director, and we're here to talk about high school baseball in North Carolina, all the players, all the teams, and uh, been a busy couple weeks for us, Matt. We've been on the road and uh, seen a lot of really good players. How you doing? Doing good. Good to be back on here. Seems like forever. Yeah, you know, we tried to. I think we tried to get together while we were in Atlanta, but our schedule during future games, it felt like we were leaving the, leaving the house to get to the field at seven thirty every morning, and we're getting back home at you know eleven thirty, trying to figure out if we're going to eat dinner and then um, how much we were going to do work wise, getting posts and stories posted uh, prior to having to turn around and be back at the field. Yeah, a lot a lot of late dinners, and uh, it's always good being at that complex though and seeing guys we don't see but a couple times a year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it it was hot, but it wasn't unbearable. I think we only had a couple of lightning delays and they really didn't affect our, our clubs very much. Um, you know, so we're appreciative of the Lake Point and Georgia people for providing that good weather for us and giving us that opportunity to stay on schedule and um, really a great week for, for Team Carolina. Um, you know, the, the older team made up of only 2025 players with a new rule in place, uh, yourself, me, Sammy Esposito, who runs South Carolina, kind of got together and said, hey, let's just go straight 2025s. We think we're going to have all these 26s available to come next year. Um, you know, and, and maybe we missed out on a power arm here or there uh, out of that 26 class and rolling dice will be available next year. But really impressed with the group we took down there, just an overall statement and thought on those older guys as we competed against Team California, Team Mid-Atlantic, and Team Florida. Yeah, Took another good club down there, and uh, with the new rule, I thought we did the right thing just to going with 25s this year and, and giving them an opportunity. And, you know, talking to those college guys, you know, some of those guys haven't seen the 20, 25 class a whole lot this summer, so they appreciated that. And there was a ton of buzz as usual, and, and Team Carolina had a had a heavy following down there. Yeah, I think close to 390 college coaches throughout the uh, four-day event. Um, you know, and, and let's start with the workout day. The workout day, um, you know, it's it's four four teams working out together. So it's us, Georgia, Florida, and Team Mid Atlantic, which is Virginia and Maryland. Um, and, and our guys go through by position. So it was it was our uh, outfielders, and then our and then the rest of the club's outfielders, and then our catchers, and everybody else's catchers, and then our infielders, and so on and so forth. Um, they took multiple rounds of live BP, um, and then they went and they ran a 60 on the laser time, got a 10 and a 30 yard split, and uh, then followed that up with defensive workouts, trying trying to work out mainly at their primary position. And we worked it on two fields, on another two fields, I think, with West Coast teams going through their workouts. So college coaches split their attention a little bit, but a lot of eyes on our guys. Yeah, ton of ton of eyes eyes on our guys and. Um, like the format down there, and you can really set and dial in on some guys with it, you know, broken up by regions a little bit. And I thought our guys were very comfortable and relaxed and uh, put on a good show and workout day. And we're going to go position by position and kind of break down the guys that worked out, the guys that threw in games, and really try, try to kind of give people a good feel for the North Carolina players that were there. But just an overall sense, Team, team Carolina, let's go North Carolina and South Carolina guys, you know, Team Carolina from the workout day, who really impressed you? Um, you know, who did you walk away with going, man, that, that was a little bit better than what we thought. And obviously, expectations are high. They're at the future games. 
Yeah, I mean, they all deserve to be there. Uh, one thing that jumped for me was Xavier McCory in his BP. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but, you know, some of the pop he showed during BP and, um, you know, our infielders looked really comfortable. And obviously, you know, Caden Davison had a big day. And uh, Zach Bender was another guy that uh, maybe some people didn't know as much about. But left-handed hitter, you watch him take BP, and he's just driving balls all over the yard. And I think he had one of the higher average exit reloads of the, of the whole event. Yeah, I think he was on the leaderboard inside the top 15. Um, you know, and, it, and it, 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 that's one of the numbers for me that jumps constantly is it's nice to see a guy, man, he's got he's got elite raw power and it's, it's 100, 101 um, exit velocity. But then you go look and his average exit velocity is like in the mid-80s. You're going, okay, what happened to get him dragged down that far? You know, Zach, I think, was at 99 miles an hour, if not 100. And then his average exit velocity was close to 94, 95, if I'm, right, if I'm thinking correctly. And so that number tells us that over the course of two rounds, I guess the BP pitcher he has never seen, albeit a really good one, he gets in the box and then bang, 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 bang. He is on the barrel and just punishing baseballs. You know, and every baseball player knows that that can be very difficult. Seeing an arm and seeing a slot – it may take two or three pitches to get dialed in. Well, if you have a pitch register at 20 miles an hour off the bat because you just you just miss it, that's going to affect that overall average velocity. And you know, for a guy like him to drive the baseball, and he did it. He did it. Our team Carolina trials uh, at Campbell, which earned him the, the the spot for future games as well. Yeah, he did. He had a good day. And uh, another guy that jumped. Not only I think we knew about him, but some of our national guys, Matt McKnight, you know, comes in and takes BP and. You know, our, our national director is asking about him and uh, another guy that impressed on workout day. And I think one of the things that we see when we get to this event sometimes, too, is the, these long, lanky guys have kind of gone through that high school season. They've been sophomores in high school. Most of them are now playing varsity. Um, it may be their first time on varsity, depending on where they're at. And then they go into the summer. Most of them are playing on, you know, higher quality clubs. But it can be a long, a long process. And we sometimes don't know what the length are we getting are we getting the quickness that we know is going to be there. And, and I think with what we've seen with Matt McKnight over the, the spell of the last six months, is we saw him in, in February, we saw him a couple times in the high school season, we saw him in the early summer, and now we see him at future games. That quickness is not it's not just piling on. It didn't just come out of nowhere, but he's a little quicker, he's a little quicker, he's a little quicker. He's a little quicker. And when you have those long arms and you can speak to this and trying to evaluate hitters, you know, that can be difficult for a hitter and, and, and dealing with that length and trying to figure out how to stay short, you know, and keep a direct path with the bat. And Matt's really handled that part of it very well. Yeah, I think it's tough. Guys that have long frames and, you know, they're a more gradual development strength-wise, you know, they're adding strength. And with being so long, it's hard to consistently sync up the swing and, and stay connected and have a repeatable swing. And that's something he's done a really good job of. It's it's always been very simple. He's always had a ton of barrel feel. And now that he's starting to get get stronger and more quick twitch, I mean, he really jumped at the event. The other thing we see with him is, is the 60 time doesn't necessarily match how well he runs. You know, we saw him go first to third. We saw him go first to home. We saw him go home to third. Um, we saw him move it a little bit at shortstop in workouts. We saw him moving at third base. Uh, in game, he plays faster than a 60. And I think that's one of the things that's important for us to get 10s and 30s on guys is because those 10-yard splits, 30-yard splits, 
give us a lot of information on kind of the baby giraffes of, of the rosters, the guys that are still trying to figure out exactly where their, their body's going. And over 60 yards, they can lose it for two to three yards and really hurt their time versus a smaller guy that's choppy and, you know, kind of knows where his, his center of gravity is at all times. Even if they lose it for a step or two over that 60 yards, they get it back really quickly. Lanky guys don't. So I think those 30-yard times and, and match one of those guys, his 30-yard time is a much more reflective of the speed he plays at than a 60. Absolutely. And uh, you can look at those guys and you can see that 60 improving as, as they get stronger and can hold that speed over the over the course of the full 60 yards. Let's start with outfielders, Matt. We're going to move into our game play. And, you know, game one, we played Team California. Just a quick recap. Um, technically a loss, I guess. We got walked off in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, a really a great back and forth game. Offensively, we were really good. Uh, I thought pitching wise, we were okay. Um, you would like to have seen a few more strikes here and there. I think some of it was the pitch sequencing and just guys getting comfortable with their catchers and really taking command of that. And then, you know, defensively, I thought we gave up three or four runs on first and third plays on a missed double play play. Um, you know, things that if we actually had practice time, we cleaned those things up pretty quickly. <clears throat> but the one thing in that game is we had two innings where our offense, they couldn't get us off the field, and we just had to roll the inning. Um, same thing, we go to Team Mid-Atlantic. Again, walked off in the bottom of the seventh, kind of, um, but we had an, uh, at least one inning in that game where we had we had a chance to score more runs, and we rolled the inning. And then, you know, honestly, we hammered Team Florida on, on day three. Uh, the offense was really good all three days. Defense got better each day. Um, let's start with our outfielders. We've talked a little bit about Zach Bender, um, and we can add on if there's other things you want to talk about with him. But let's start with Ian Williams, um, left-handed hitting center fielder from Wake Forest High School. Yeah, I thought Ian had a great week down there. Um, you know, play center, uh, leadoff type profile, and base running is, is his strength or one of his strengths. And, you know, he got on base, got some hits, and, you know, when he got on base, he ran. I mean, it wasn't, you know, two to four pitches and he, he'd stole second. He was still in third. And, you know, there's some situations in there where, you you know, you have to get a guy to go out and run for somebody to, to keep the game rolling or whatever. And he was always one of the first guys out. And he would go hop on first base and he was still second. He was still third. And uh, I thought he, he really showed his skill set and what type of player he was throughout the week. And, you know, he's simple in the box. He, he doesn't try to do too much and uh, just gets hits, gets on base, and makes things happen. And, um, you know, he, he moves well in center field too. Yeah, unofficially three for five with two walks, six of eight stolen bases. I, I thought the, the, the level of competition was good for him too because he more than likely when he plays, if he's on first, he just outruns the ball to second. And if he's on second, he can kind of deke his way to outrun the ball to third. In this event, word kind of got out. Hey, he's looking to run every time he's on base. You saw pitchers work the holding. You saw pitchers shorten down. You saw catchers that were extremely accurate with really good arms. And so that next step for him in, in terms of being an elite base runner is, you know, can he look to run on every pitch? Can he really get sequenced up with a pitcher and decide he's only going to run on breaking balls? And, and kind of hold his ground on fastballs. Can he pull off a steel break if the pitcher slide steps or if he doesn't get a good jump? You know, and that's things he hasn't had, ever had to do. He's just, even a bad jump, he's been able to just outrun it. 
And so I thought that that competition was good for him. And it still shows really well because his steal break times were, were outstanding, even on the, when he got thrown out. Um, you know, defensively, you touched on it. He, he, he solidified us for a couple of days as we got a couple other guys used to playing center field. Um, you know, was very, very comfortable in center, was very comfortable in left to right, uh, was very comfortable leadership-wise moving other outfielders. And I thought that was a big, a big deal. Um, Zach Bender was our other North Carolina outfielder. You mentioned his workout day uh, in gameplay, two for four with two doubles and a hit by pitch. And, you know, really after going over two on day one against Team California, he really settled into the box and, and guys took note. You know, he, he's hitterish when he's walking to the plate. Yeah, he is. I thought he had a good approach. Um, and hitters counts. It was a really aggressive swing, looking to do damage and get the barrel out. But he also showed the ability to drop the ball the other way. And, uh, you know, I think that's important. And, you know, when he would get down on some counts, uh, it was competitive at bats. He would shorten up and foul off pitches. And, uh, he, you know, he just has the ability to drop the ball over the ballpark. And, like you said, very hitterish and, and just shows a ton of comfort in the box. And I think those college evaluators really noticed that. Let's move on to the one catcher from North Carolina. We had three down there on the roster, um, you know, really kind of one each, North Carolina and South Carolina, and then Peter Mershon was kind of a utility uh, guy that can that sat in there and caught really well. I don't know that his future's behind the plate when he's running a six, sub-6-6. Six, six. Um, but Aiden Wall from Ledford High School, long, lanky frame. Um, you know, we, we know about the ceiling. We know about what he could be. But he the, the important thing was he was he able to show flashes in front of this large contingent of college coaches where they go, boy, that's that's too intriguing to pass up. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, long athletic frame, it can hold a ton more weight. Uh, he, he hit throughout the whole week. You know, some of his – you know, we've seen it in BP. We've seen him probably more in workouts than in games. But he really translates it to the gameplay. You know, he barreled a couple all-speed pitches, drove some fastballs. Uh, he, he can hammer the ball to both gaps and – uh, he caught for us. He has arm strength behind the plate. But, you know, you talked about the 60 time and the athleticism. You know, that's a guy that, you know, he may end up being a corner outfielder at the next level uh, with some juice and also gives clubs, you know, that that guy that, hey, you know, he, he can be an emergency catcher uh, and go back there. Or, you know, he may develop more and stay behind the plate because the, the right. arm strength back there is easy to notice. And uh, as the week went, I thought he got more comfortable behind the plate and, you know, catching arms he's never caught. Uh, you know, he showed some ability to do that and adjust. But uh, what he did at the plate, I mean, it was a good week for him. Yeah, so he went three for six unofficially, two triples. But I thought the most impressive at bat was after he tripled in game three against Team Florida, the pool side, and really showed a burst from, you know, mid-second base to third and kind of outrunning the baseball a little bit and showing a lot of athleticism. His next at bat, he comes up. And he gets behind an account. He takes a breaking ball, and he, he doesn't just shoot it the other way. He drives it to the wall, and it's a sacrifice fly in the book. It, it, it's a fly out, but you know he hit a ball 330 feet up against the wall, and I mean hammered that ball to easily score a run from third, where it was pretty obvious he was he was giving up a team at bat there. He was looking to do damage. He was looking at the ball hard, but he also was looking to score that run. And so you know that that stuff is important. You know. It, Guys in those environments, it's easy to be, you know, me first because it is a showcase. And, and in a lot of aspects, they should be me first. But to have an at-bat where you're willing to, 
get to a two strike setup in a one strike count so that you don't you you are allowed to drive the baseball you are allowed to, to uh, score that run it was that was the most impressive at bat he had for me yeah and it's you know we we give those guys a ton of freedom down there and, and let them play and they definitely have the ability to be selfish but you know you go up and down the lineup and guys guys had a lot of team at bats on their own you know when they'd get behind yes. and say I'm gonna I'm going to do something here and, and, you know, play the game. And uh, that did not go unnoticed by us or, or college coaches. Let's move on to the corner infielders. And it's a, it's a unique group. Really, we took three third basemen with Caden Davidson, Connor Robertson, uh, and Matt McKnight. McKnight has an ability maybe to shift to shortstop, maybe to second base. There's some middle infield instincts there. Connor Robertson's probably a true third baseman. Caden Davidson has the ability to flip over to first. Was very athletic around the bag. Um, you know, let's let's start. We, we've talked about McKnight um, and kind of gone into what he did. And you know, for the week, he was two for four with a triple and uh, got two walks, multiple RBIs. He kind of had his best at bats with runners in scoring position. He had really good plans throughout the week. Let's talk about Caden Davidson. You switch hit during. The workout, right-handed only during games. I think he's got a chance to be a special hitter. What did we see during during this, the uh, future games? Yeah, big frame. Uh, he's got some juice. Uh, a lot of times with a guy that big and, and have power, you see some some bigger swings, uh, more aggressive, aggressive swings, but he does it with a compact swing. It's it's very controlled in the box. Uh, I think in BP, but he, he drove one off the wall to the opposite field and – there's not a ton of effort in there, and he has a, you know, gets the barrel to the ball consistently, and just a mature approach. Um, you know, he's got baseball IQ. I uh, think he's really going to hit, but then just his feel around the first base bag. You know, he, he really shows some comfort over there. He, for me, I equate him a little bit to the guys that maybe you see at a golf driving range. You may see that long drive champion who's got a lot of effort in the swing and really coiled up and really long and really aggressive and really efforty through the ball and hoping to keep it straight enough one out of eight times to get a ball to land, knowing he's going to hit it 300-plus yards every time he hits it. And then you have the pro next to him who's hitting it 315 yards and hitting it right down the chute every time. Caden's more that guy. When you watch him in BP, when you watch him in games, he's never out of control. He never seems to be fooled by a pitch. He tracks the ball so well. He does swing and miss here and there. Um, but like his BP, you're really, you're, you're trying to grade out the, the bat speed. And if you're not really watching and you're just kind of lulled to sleep, it's average to above average. But then when you look up, every ball's backspun, every ball's center field at oppo and every ball's carrying to the warning track. And you're going, it's just so easy. And I think the bat speed is going to continue to come again, long, lanky arms, I think controlling that barrel sometimes can be an issue and trying to figure out where it is at, at all points. But, man, it, it's just such a pretty effortless mechanical setup that, that it's easy to dream about where it's going to be in two years. Yeah, and that, and that body's not close to being mature yet either. I mean, right. that, that body's going to develop. And, you know, great week and that easy effort and maturity really stood out to me on, for him. Connor Robertson, third baseman from Mooresville High School, a guy I got several calls on as we as we added him to the roster, as we took him down there. I think he's a guy of intrigue. Um, 
you know, in past years, he may have been off the board as, as guys may have gone in earlier to seem with the new rules and not being able to talk to him until August 1. I think it slowed that process down a little bit. Um, but Connor was an MVP candidate. You know, if I think if it's a little bit more high-profile name going in, there's a little bit more prestige to the week that he had. But I think he shocked some of our national guys because he's not on a lot of our national list. And I don't know that he turned himself into a draft prospect either because the, the frame kind of is, is at its ceiling. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get a little bit quicker. But, you know, it's not it's not just oozing with length and, and lankiness and thin. He's got some strength already there. But Connor's five for seven, a double. And of his seven at-bats, he put five balls in play at 93 miles an hour or harder. Just a really impressive week from Connor. Uh, very, very confident who he is as a player. I mean, he showed that throughout the week, and I think we talked about it after uh, day one against California. You know, they threw some good arms at us, and some of his takes, he he took them like like it was no big deal and laid off some pitches, and then, you know, right. two strikes, drop a ball through the middle of the field. And um, like you said, he, he was on the barrel all week. Um, it's a compact swing, and uh, he – he really has the ability to drive the ball to that opposite field gap. And, you know, he'll, you don't see him too often try to really, really yank something or get the barrel out and, and, you know, yank something to his pull side. He'll sit in there and he can let the ball travel a little bit and then make hard contact the other way. And uh, that's a guy that thinks no matter where he ends up, he's going to hit and, and, and he's yeah. going to keep hitting. There were three notes I made on him. The first one was he wasn't afraid to go to two strikes. There was no fear. If his plan was to be on fa- on time for fastball and they went slider, slider, first two pitches, it, it, it was like he won those pitches. Even if it was 0-2, he had already won the at-bat because he got to a third pitch. He hadn't gotten off his plan. you know. And, and, and that's frustrating as a pitcher when you see a guy just spit on slider and still step out of the box and no 2 count, and he's extremely confident because he stayed the plan. So that was the first thing. The, the second thing was when he decided to ambush a pitch, he ambushed, he was on time, he was out front, and he hammered it. You know, it only happened once, but he got into a 3-1 count, and he made a decision he was going to be early, and he went and got a fastball and absolutely smoked it to the pull side. And then the third thing was the swing is designed to be level and flat. It's a lot of hard line drive, hard ground balls. I think if you're looking at him and trying to project him out, if he gets with the right developmental system, natural leverage is in the swing. It, it's it, he, He's hitting the ball hard because he's staying in the middle of the field and he's on the barrel. They don't have to create a lot of loft to all of a sudden get a ton of doubles and home runs. I think it's just going to be about pitch selection, knowing where it's kind of happy zone is. And, and talk to me a little bit about that. When you see a guy that that is flat through the ball, that does hit, you know, in this situation, it's a lot of singles up the middle that are just rocking it off the bat. What's that mindset of a hitting coach trying to develop? You know, we talk about launch angle, but trying to develop, you know, balls that carry a little bit more into the gap, or does it just happen naturally as the pitching gets better, as the strike zones get more consistent, as he gets more reps as a good hitter? I think when you have a guy like that who's a ton of feel for the barrel, can drive the ball to both gaps, and it's like you said, it's a lot more low flight right now off the barrel and not afraid to hit with two strikes and let the ball travel. I don't know that it's much of a swing change. I think you you get into that and try to get guys in the air. In the air, it can really it can mess guys up more than it can help them. But I think right. learning when to really sell out and cheat and, and different locations. I think you know 
he's got a chance to hit a ton of home runs and a ton of doubles moving forward. Completely agree. Completely agree. And, you know, my pitching background doesn't allow me to say it as eloquently as you just put it. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, we'll go to our final, I think it's our final uh, position player set up and it's our middle infielders. We took two from North Carolina, two from South Carolina. Um, the two from North Carolina, Wilma Martinez and uh, Xavier McQuarrie. We've talked a little bit about Xavier offensively. Let's, we got into game play. We played him at second a lot in game one, shifting him to short for game twos and game three. You know, you're, you're feeling on, on Xavier walking away from the defensive side. Uh, he had a chance to make some good plays, and he did. You know, I know, I think it was the last day he's playing short, made a really good play on the run. Uh, it's it's athletic. Uh, I won't I won't say he surprised us defensively, but we got the chance to see him do some things on the infield that we haven't in games yet. And I thought that was right. was really good for him. And uh, another guy that he runs the bases very well. And it's a it's a fluid swing without a ton of effort. And you know he's going to continue to get stronger. And you know he can he can already drive the ball as he is right now. And it's just it's pretty to watch in the box. When you get a left-handed hitter that, that has a chance to field at the level he's going to field at, it opens up a lot of doors. And then he runs on top of that, and then you're looking at him going, man, he's he's just a baby. I mean, you look at the face, you look at the body, he's going to get stronger. You know, he's not going to be, you know, six foot four, 230 pounds, but he's going to get stronger in the frame that he has. That, that play on the move you talked about, he set up at normal depth, ball hit two steps to his right, that's basically a chop play. And he had to run through and basically pick, exchange, and throw all at once, and he was accurate. And, and, and the ball had carry. That was the thing for me. You see a lot of guys that read that ball right. And then what? Then they have to play around their arm. They have to wait on that second hop so that they can get their feet underneath them to make the throw. That became, At that speed of the game, you don't have that time. He knew that. He picks through that ball. And then my, my shock was the carry he had on that ball. Um, not that we haven't seen arm strength. You know, we watch, we watch these workouts and guys catch and shuffle, shuffle and load up and, you know, across the diamond. But that ability to carry the baseball across the diamond on the move, moving away from first base and being accurate, that tells me he can play short. The other thing I loved, and we're going to get to Wilmer too, and we knew this about Wilmer coming in, and I don't know if Wilmer rubbed off on Xavier or if Xavier's a lot more similar to Wilmer than what we knew, the leadership in the middle of the field. Those two guys were constantly talking. Those two guys were constantly wanting to move people around. Hey, I'm going up the middle. Come with me. Hey, double play depth. Hey, you know, ball back to you. Think to me. Hey, I'm off the bag here. If the ball's hit to you, you're going to go across the bag. Hey, you know, first and third. They're talking through all these situations and really making our lives as coaches, we just got to sit over there and watch because they were managing the game, both these middle guys, for Xavier, that was new for me. I had not seen him do that. For Wilmer Martinez, Ledford High School, played a lot of second base at, at Ledford. Um, has the ability to play short. We played him at short early on. I think he's a little bit more comfortable now at second because of the reps he's had. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Wilmer, uh, and then you can kind of filter back into how those two guys fed off each other. Yeah, you know, defense sends out for Wilmer. Um, fun to watch on the infield, just – Smooth actions, quick transfers. Uh, been switch hitting some uh, this year. Hasn't been doing it long. Uh, took several at-bats left-handed early down there. Uh, swung it well in BP. Uh, 
I think the velo got to him a little bit in some games there, just out of sync a little bit, a little different than what we've seen in the past. But, you know, the more at-bats he got, the more dialed in. And then, you know, the last day right-handed uh, launches a home run to left field. And it's, you know, short and compact from both sides. And go ahead. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting decision he made, too, because that wasn't something we – I don't think we talked to him about it. But he's a, he's a switch hitter. And then you get into this event, the only left-hander we saw – got his final out, the hitter before Wilmer. So Wilmer never got to turn around and hit right on left. So he comes out day three and, you know, okay, they've seen me hit left. I'm going to hit right today. And then, you know, the right-handed swing is is much more advanced than the left-handed swing. I think the left-handed swing is w- within reach. I think there's some quickness there, especially if he, you know, as he sees more velocity, he'll have a chance to kind of get back up to- on top of the ball. The right-handed swing advanced him as a, as a prospect in my head. Yeah, he's he's stronger right-handed. Uh, I, I do think the, the left-handed swing has potential. But, uh, you know, one thing for him is, and Xavier both, is you wouldn't know if they were having a great day or a bad day. You know, they're both ton of energy. Uh, the teammates love them. And, you know, talk about guys in the middle of the field and leadership ability. Uh, both those guys showed those qualities. And always had a smile on their, fa- on their face, bounced around, and um, – just fun to be around as a player and coaches. And, uh, you know, Wilmer, I think, showing that maturity just to go, hey, I'm going to hit right-handed today. And uh, he had a really good day that last day. And, you know, he's, he's a prospect moving forward. Yeah. So that gets us through our, our, our position players. Um, you know, before we transition, Matt, into our pitchers, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, us getting through the week in Atlanta. Um I, I tried to hit fungos on Tuesday and Wednesday, and that was probably a mistake because I was freaking – you saw me back at the house Tuesday night. Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday night after the JFGs. I'm trying to be the team guy, I tried to you know hit for some other, other groups before our group got there and let them watch their kids and take some video and that type of stuff. I was hurting. I, 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 was, I was dehydrated, um, you know, and I had, to, I had to kind of suck it up a little bit and man up, so to speak, as we got back to the house that night. But we had a conversation, you know, the next day, and you you had talked about, you know, our sponsor, Liquid IV. You actually had a chance now to uh, try the product out and, and use it. Uh, you know, we talked about it already, but share your experiences a little bit with Liquid IV, and what, what did you think, you know, getting a chance to try the product? Yeah, I talked to some people that, that had been using it and nothing but great things to say about it, and I tried it, and it's great taste. And, you know, you get all the electrolytes and vitamins but you don't feel like you're drinking a sugar drink. You know, you feel like you're right. doing something healthy and, and you still feel that, that kick that you want to feel when you're, you're out there in the turf's 130 degrees and, you know, you're sweating like crazy and have long days and it's just, you know, gives you a boost and, and helps you feel refreshed. Yeah. So I, I, one of my, one of my, my brother-in-law is in the sheriff's department in North Carolina in a, in a county, I'm not going to name the county, but um, he actually, we, we turned him onto it as well. And, you know, he's talked about the even within the department because, you know, those guys are in their cars. It's freaking 95 degrees and you're trying, you know, they're running the AC, sure. But you're trying not just to load up on sugary drinks and food. It's 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 a simple way, even if you're in a sedentary, more of a sedentary lifestyle, you know, just to stay awake. We're going to drink sugar. We're going to we're going to pump this the calories in. And I, I feel like Liquid IV, you know, he talked about it being a really good option for them. Um, you know, giving giving their bodies some taste um, and while staying hydrated without pumping things that, that aren't good for their bodies. 
Um, Liquid IVs, 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. It contains five essential vitamins, including B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Um, Liquid IV believes in the equitable access to clean and abundant water and the foundation of a healthier world. And you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use your promo code PBRNC, the number two, the number three. Again, PBRNC23 at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using the promo code PBRNC23 at liquidiv.com. Um, and I did recover. It took me a couple days. I had some Liquid IV that helped me. Um, and I, again, I got a chance to stay away from the sugary stuff as I'm trying to get my body back in a little bit better shape. Um, jumping back to Team Carolina, let's let's run through the pitchers, and we're just going to go game by game and the guys that we saw. So the the first two guys that threw for Team Carolina uh, from North Carolina against Team California, Austin Fetterspiel, uh, East Forsyth, big righty, uh, was up to 85. Um, you know, talk a little bit about what you saw out of Austin. Uh, we've seen him during the high school season. Um, good fastball relies a lot on his fastball. Uh, I think he had a good plan when he went out. I'm sure, you know, they heard us talk all week to our hitters, you know, jump fastballs early, you know, be ready. Um, mixed in quite a bit of breaking balls early, uh, you know, and fought for some field a little bit. But, uh, you know, his second inning, he went out and got dialed in and uh, located the fastball and, and the breaking ball got better and just really impressed with that second inning to work. As big as he is, that that was the thing that I was kind of hoping to see, especially after his first inning. He, he just and you could see he was fighting. He was fighting his rhythm. He was fighting his line. He just couldn't get in sync to get it to go. And of course, the velocity's on the board, so he knows he's not the velocity he wants to be at. To relax a little bit and then to go get it a little bit in the second inning. You know, he, he's you're going to hear this with several of our arms that we took down there. They're ground ball guys. They're early pronators. The ball's got light, light spin. Um, you know, but it's darting down and in and, and living down in the zone from his angle can be tough because he's so big. But as he kind of figured that out, it was soft ground ball, soft ground ball, soft ground ball. And we got a chance for um, those guys behind him to make some plays. Um, the other thing I, I walked away, I met his dad. His dad is uh, huge. So I don't, Austin's a big boy. I don't know that Austin's done growing. So, uh, you know, he, he, he may continue to, you know, add size, add length, add weight. You know, I don't, I don't think we're done at 85 in terms of what that power boring, you know, turbo sinker has a chance to become. Also a three um, guy too, at, at East Forsyth football and basketball. So I did not know that. There you go. And again, trying to project where the ceiling is. He's, he's light on reps if that's the case. So that's a really good note. Gabe Murray closed the game out for us. Gabe ran into some bad luck in the bottom of the seventh and ran into a good bat. We've been putting him in a great situation. Um, you know, a after getting a quick out, you know, I, I thought the zone got maybe a little bit tight. Um, he walked two guys on really two really competitive at bats. But when you stand back, you go back out and grade his overall stuff. And I think you were doing the TV at that point. And so you had a different angle. You had the center view, center field angle, um, you know, watching that game. Actually, you may have been back in the dugout for him. Sammy may have been there. I was but the, just the, the stuff really played. Yeah, I, I 
we have the young kids going on too. I miss Gabe. That's but right. Talking to some some college coaches, they were really impressed with the stuff from him. You know, he, he was yeah, a- really, really athletic. You know, the arm works. It's a little early to the top. He's a pronation guy. Um, you know, and and the bore he had, the sink he had, I think was one of the leaders um, in terms of the pitch scores and also in terms of the movement. And so the ball getting on those hitters is he is he ready to pitch with that repertoire yet? It, not yet. He's going to have to pitch in. And then I'm really impressed with that he can spin his slider with the way his arm works. And and, and I think that's something at this age um, bodes really well for him and that ability to kind of work in the middle of the plate and take a ball and bore it in and then work in the middle of the plate and take a ball and spin it away and trying to, you know, trying to mimic those pitches and get hitters to see that. Um, and, again, he, he gave up a couple runs in the seventh, but I don't think they hit a ball hard. And so – He's going to be an interesting one to follow. If he was 6'2", 6'3", I think he's a huge prospect. I think he's a draft prospect. I think guys are all over him. A little bit smaller frame, twitchy. You know, who's going to dream on him and what he can be, you know, as he shows up as a freshman. We got to Team Mid-Atlantic, which was game two for us. And we threw the first of our two lefties that we brought down there. And I know a personal favorite of yours, uh, Micah Simpson. We asked Micah, the only pitcher – from Team Carolina that we asked to do this. We asked him to get us uh, two-plus innings, and he did a really, really good job in terms of just flooding the zone. What would you see and what did you like out of Micah? Yeah, stays in the zone, um, left-handed arm, different slot, different look. Uh, you know, we talked about the fastball spin before. Uh, thought he pitched well. I think uh, you know, a catcher he hasn't had before, I think they, you know, struggled to get in sync a little bit with, what was maybe the right pitch in the right time. But, you know, I think when he, he faces that level of hitter, hitter more and gets more in tune with the sequences that work work best for him, I think he's going to have a ton of success. And, you know, he competes, and, you know, no matter what happens, he's just going right back in the zone. So I went behind the plate for him and watched an inning back there, and, and it is. It's, you know, you're going to look at the velocity and say, man, it was, it was 83-84, you know, 80-84, whatever it was, and, and – and, is that light? Well, it's a true sidearm slot. When you really start dissecting where he's at, is his body stays somewhat vertical, but he's out to the side with his arm. Um, you know, the spin isn't necessarily a true sidearm, but he's getting run to it. He's able to throw breaking ball out of that slot. He's able to throw changeup out of that slot. He's able to pitch in out of that slot. So I completely agree with you. Working with a catcher, having a catcher back there understands him, probably speeds his innings up. And it wasn't so much uh, do we throw fastball or breaking ball. It was do I trust where he said, I'm trying to go two inches off the plate here. Can I throw my catcher's cup or is my catcher on the third? Do I need to throw his knee? Do I, and, and he's trying to dissect all this as he's getting to balance and trying to figure out where the catcher's set up instead of just trusting hit his cup, hit his glove, or whatever the cue is. The, the, the part about seeing this level of hitter, the next step for Mike, and we saw glimpses of it, is he's going to have to, once he's established arm side, away, 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 you saw California guys, and it's not a, it's not a team meeting. It's not a, it's not a group of guys that got, got together to huddle up going, hey, he's away. He's working away. He's, they just saw it, and they got up on the plate, and they started to dive, and he stood a couple guys up and finished those hitters. He just didn't do it enough, you know, and in and, and his third inning, guys got a couple cheap hits here and there, at bats dragged out a little bit. He was getting a lot of you know soft foul balls, 
If he just sticks the ball in, he stands a guy up, he goes back in, he says, can't dive. You're not going to be allowed to dive on me. I throw hard enough, you can't do that. Those at-bats are done right there. And I think that's a, it's a great, again, being at the Future Games gives you feedback. It's not just about showcasing. It's about kind of getting a feel for where you're at and then making those adjustments too. Um, one, of, one of the guys I felt like was a, a fairly big winner for our pitching group. Jake Kakovic, right-handed pitcher out of Holly Springs. Again, multi-sport guy, six foot seven, but boy, was it clean. What'd you see out of Jake? Uh, very clean. I uh, thought he had good presence on the mound. Uh, just his ability to, to to flood the strike zone, not only with the fastball but the breaking ball too. You know, he he landed the breaking ball for a strike in any count. And uh, like you said, dual sport guy, ton of athleticism, and there's a lot to dream on. Up to eighty seven. You know, and if the breaking ball is sharp and fall off the table and spinning at a higher rate, he's off the board two years ago. And so talking to the college guys, I went back behind the plate and watched him too. And when he was down, the angle the ball is attacking the plate at, the, the bore and the run to the arm side that he was getting, made those were not fun at bats. I mean, he's just eating some guys' hands up. The ability to now, can he get spin – to match at least somewhat what his fastball is doing. He lands it, but it's not it's it's not a scary pitch. It doesn't really tunnel with fastball. It doesn't have really sharp late tilt. You know, I think it can be in there. I think he may have to throw cutter to do it. But talking to the college guys back there, you know, they're talking about I mean this is this is prototypical sink slide. This is a big body. There's some things you can do here. There's some things that are different. You know, and then they're going, man, I just wish if you just spun it a little bit more. And you're going, dude, if he spun it better, he ain't here. Yeah. You know, he'd have been off the board a year ago. So uh, somebody's going to dream on that. Somebody's going to figure out a way to get him to spin the baseball the way they want to. And he's going to make somebody very happy for four years, in my opinion. Yeah. And that, you know, as big as he is to to have the, the simple delivery and be able to repeat it, you know, he's going to be able to develop that ability to spin the ball. We get to day three, and North Carolina started, uh, or North Carolina righty started for Team Carolina. Davis Cabbage, Hickory Grove Christian, really athletic righty, quick arm, uh, four in the zone. What did you think of Dave, uh, Davis? Uh, great day for Davis. You know, athletic, uh, confident attacks, um, loved the breaking ball, and, um, you know, I thought, thought he was pretty impressive out there. Yeah, and, and again, same deal. Never, never seen this catcher before. Has never caught him before. Getting four pitches and trying to sink him up. His first inning, you could tell they were fighting each other a little bit. The second inning, bang, 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 back in the dugout. It was, you know, and and he is really athletic on the bump. You know, again, a guy if he's six two, I don't think he makes it to future games because I think he's off the board. But you know, as a guy that's still kind of growing into his body, and he's you know five eleven, six foot probably still growing as loose as his hips are, as well as his arm works. Again, he's got a chance to step on campus and, and get out early. And he may grow into something different. You know, I, I don't think he's going to need necessarily up against the ceiling when he sets foot on campus. So I think he's going to be a fun one to watch. The final arm from North Carolina through was our second lefty. Um, a guy we saw at the dirtbag scout day, William Leahy. Um, Kind of undersized a little bit, not you know he's going to be I think average in height, but just I, I, thin build, really quick, really quick arm, arm works. But I think we're just kind of seeing the tip of the iceberg. If if the old saying is true, where mass equals gas, 
when he starts adding on some pounds and putting on some man weight, he's really positioned to see his velocity jump. And, you know, he's up to 83 already. Yeah, he's, you know, the frame is very young. Uh, it's going to get stronger. But he has pitchability, and I think he's very confident in who he is, uh, knows how to pitch, and uh, as he gets stronger, uh, I think he's really going to jump for a lot of guys. I think he he took advantage of something, too. We ask our pitchers to come down the day before. We don't mandate it. We ask them to say, hey, get be around your teammates, be around your catchers, get a feel for the day, get a feel for how this works. And he got a chance to see Micah throw. And he was he was standing there as we're talking to Micah about you, you may need to stand some guys up. And Florida did to him what what Mid Atlantic did to, to Micah. They started jumping on the plate, they started leaning, they started diving because he had really established arm side. He and he, he's flipping a breaking ball in there, and all of a sudden they shot a ball you know hard over the first base dugout, and the next two pitches, bang bang, he went right into that righty. He stood him up, and then he threw one in there for a strike. And it ended it, you know, and I was, you know, I don't know. I, w- I would love to say, man, we did a great job coaching. We may we're, we're in there. And I don't know him well enough to know that may be something that he just sees all the time. But even if it is, that's a high level of thinking. It's a high level of pitching. Kudos to him. I think at that point, uh, our catcher, uh, Stowe Rogers from South Carolina, I think was handling him. So kudos to Stowe in making those adjustments and giving him a chance to really – make an adjustment off a hitter that was making an adjustment. Yeah, it was impressive. And anytime you, you don't have as much velo as some other guys to, to show that ability to pitch inside, uh, that, that stands out to evaluators. No doubt. And, and, and you have to. You have to be able to move balls around, especially as good as, as college hitters have been with handling velocity. So <clears throat> that's a ton of information on the, on the future games. We did not even get into our junior guys. We're going to try to get into them at some point here in the coming up. Last week, coming off of the future games, we held our top prospect games. Information's flowing out. What a great day that was, Wednesday at Campbell. Um, Really briefly, Matt, talk about (laughs) – there there were – I got about 30 phone calls because there were some college coaches there and then there were some words that got out of, hey, this guy did this, and this guy did this, and this guy did this. And we didn't just flood some of that information to the internet because out of respect for the college coaches, it did show. And and those guys are trying to get information. They had to wait. We, we didn't release some of it till yesterday. Um, what did you think of the top prospect games overall? Uh, overall, really good day. You know, anytime you have, have gameplay and, you know, we, we do it with some of our bigger events – a lot of times there's a little lull in there. It gets a little sloppy. You, you know, you have an arm go out there that, you know, struggles with his own a little bit, or you run through part of a lineup where there's just not a whole lot put in play. And we had three games. Uh, all three had a good pace, uh, well played on both sides of the ball. We saw guys pitch. We saw guys hit. Uh, got to see guys make plays defensively. And uh, the day flowed really well. And the reason it flowed really well is because we had good players on the field playing a lot of yes, clean baseball. Did. We had really, really good players there, and it, it's you know all those all these events. We we, we want good players. It makes the day. It makes our lives easier. It makes it easier to talk about, easier to write about. Um, the information from Top Prospect Games is on prepbaseballreport.com. Go to North Carolina. Go to event uh, showcases, then event results. You'll see the Top Prospect Games there. We're going to continue to roll out information daily on the future games. 
We've got a few, a little, a few more tidbits coming out. Junior future games. We've got scout days coming up. Matt, it doesn't stop. It keeps going. We're going to see more and more players. I know you're starting to get bogged down in rankings. Um, it's all kind of hitting the fan, and we're we're going to just we're we're right at the tip of the iceberg. Even though we're finishing up the summer, aren't we? Yeah, it's getting busy, really busy for us right now. More scout days, more rankings, and uh, it was a great week at future games. With you know, took a lot of. They were good baseball players, but they were fun kids to be around for a week and. Uh, it was an exciting week for us. No doubt. No doubt. I think that's the best way to put it is we had fun. We were around good players, but more importantly, we were around good people. Our 24 guys were good people. And so that that makes that week a lot more enjoyable for us. He's Matt Payne. I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast, and we'll see you at the field.